Hey, hey, welcome to the Nadia Marker podcast again. This is the beginning of season number two. Thank you for waiting for me. Long time no see. I'm packed with a lot of news, a lot of thoughts, a lot of great things to share with you. So let's kick this off. This is the beginning of the season number two. Welcome back to the Nadia Market podcast. Uh, thank you so much for all of you who have been constantly asking about the next episode. When was the next episode uh, was going to be, uh, to launch uh, for, of the Nadia Market podcast? Uh, it has been great uh, to be um, well off for uh, a moment. I had so many projects to be working on, but I'm packed with a lot of things new things and ideas to share with you. So this is the kickoff. Uh, remember, if you like the, the show, if you like the podcast, subscribe, uh, hit me with a review uh, so that, that I can know what kind of content uh, you like about uh, or to be posted on the, on the podcast. Um, well, without any further ado, let's begin with the headlines as usual. So... Uh, today I'm going to I'm going to keep it short. Uh, well, the idea of the second season is to make shorter episodes. Um, but today I want to talk about two main topics. Uh, one of them has to do with Instagram, and uh, two a couple of news about Instagram. The first one uh, coming from uh, the Financial Times, uh, which was interesting when I was reading at it. Uh, it has to do with the algorithm and how the algorithm filters down uh, the content that is posted on the platform uh, for, I mean, because they're looking for fake news. And this comes at a moment where a lot of pro-Palestinian groups uh, start accusing the Instagram, I mean, Instagram about for um, not allowing the information to be published or to uh, reach in some other users at uh, the moment where the developments or the events were developing, um, which it's kind of interesting because this is essentially what they wanted to achieve when they kept improving the algorithm for identifying uh, fake news. If you remember a few years ago when, well, the all this fake news stuff started to pop up on Facebook and Instagram, one of the main ideas or the, uh, the main purposes of this strategy was for them to identify on captions, on uh, with voice recognition, image recognition software elements that would hint to, um, well, get, well, not so correct information on the internet. Um, essentially, this was uh, intended for something good. But the thing here is that when you have so many different events happening at the same time, um, well, that makes the platform not so ideal for keeping people up to date. And this is why Twitter shines whenever any news is developing uh, because their algorithm is less strict in the sense of the word. 
And what allows, essentially what it allows is that uh, more and more unfiltered, I, I wouldn't say unfiltered because there is some filtering going on, uh, but uh, let's say that it has a, a broader kind of um, tolerance to the kind of information that can be posted. And when you have so many news coming from different angles, it's very difficult to understand and to know at the beginning or from 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 moment uh, from the first moment uh, what kind of things or can be said or not or what kind of things if someone say that uh, can uh, lead or mislead people uh, about this specific topic and. Uh, well, essentially, this is what they wanted to do at Facebook. They wanted to cover their backs uh, because, again, governments and people started to um, help, well, holding them accountable for the posts and the content that people uh, publish on their platform. So I don't want to dig into this topic because, it, I mean, it, it is something that it is very, it, it's very dense and it is worthy of having a long discussion uh, discussion with uh, not only me, but some other people that may have some different opinions about the matter. But essentially what we're getting back here is to ask us the question about should people be held accountable for what they post online or should the platforms be the ones held accountable for that kind of information? Uh, if the second is the, is the one that we are going to hold on to, uh, well, we're going to have to uh, deal with these kind of situations like, uh, like in this case with the, with the Israel and Palestinian uh, situation back in, in a, few, a few weeks ago uh, over and over again because it is very difficult to uh, prepare an algorithm and to program, to program an algorithm for some cases and situations where uh, that you don't know they're going to uh, are going to happen, right? And what is not uh, feasible is to have humans to keep an eye on them and on the content uh, night and day, which is also uh, kind of uh, it could be another another solution. So yeah, a lot of things to keep doing here. Uh, I'm I bet that I mean Instagram is going to find a way to improve that algorithm to overcome these obstacles. And the other thing that I wanted to mention was, uh, it is about Instagram again, and is how they have uh, rolled out the feature for hide and likes. Uh, this is a set to all the users. They have been testing this for over two years, so they have been getting a lot of feedback from different kind of users and different kind of accounts, business, content creators, influencers, regular users, etc. So essentially what they're doing right now is that they want uh, to give the users the, um, uh, the ability to choose whether or not uh, they want their followers to be focused on the content and not on the numbers itself. So for marketers, um, if you want, if you work with influencers, for example, it's going to make more difficult for you to uh, find and to calculate and estimate the true reach and engagement uh, for those um, for those accounts. With that being said, my personal and professional experience uh, says that likes is the least uh, engaging of the interaction of them all because obviously it is the le the, the one that requires the less involvement of the user. 
that is that triggering that action. Like, I mean, with double tapping, you just uh, hit like on every video or picture, which doesn't necessarily mean that you are highly engaged with that. So obviously comments uh, sort uh, serve as a higher engagement metric uh, and of obviously shares and save in, in the terms of Instagram itself. Uh, obviously uh, refers to a higher involvement of the user and for that reason to a higher engagement value. Also, they have been uh, introducing some window shopping experience to the shopping Instagram shopping feature, uh, which resembles a little bit the Supreme's playbook boost. Uh, and this is according to Morning Brew, uh, which uh, which it was inter- an interesting interesting comparison. And essentially, what they wanted to do what they want to do is to make businesses able to improve and increase the conversion rate just by improving the experience of shopping inside uh, Instagram itself. So with that being said, obviously Instagram could be taking a look at how some Asian platforms, social platforms deal with uh, social commerce, which is uh, obviously, I mean, they are a few years ahead of us uh, with a social plat with social commerce uh, in 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 social platforms and social networks uh, like Redbug, for example. Um, so it is interesting. They keep improving. They keep adding these features. So let's hop. Uh, let's hope and wait until they keep including some others to improve the user experience. And the second news, I, well, it's a topic that I was reading uh, on Adweek, and this is something that I'm introducing also on the second season. I'm going to each episode recommend an article. It could be an article from a business or marketing magazine. It could also be a scientific paper, you know, that I'm into the academia. So uh, it could happen to be uh, something more academic. So, uh, but in this case, this comes from Adweek, and it has to do with a campaign that uh, Pepsi launched. Uh, last week with um, the paper wrap of different burger from burgers from uh, famous fast chain companies, fast food companies uh, like, I mean, essentially Burger King, McDonald's and Wendy's. So what is interesting here? I mean, they tweeted what well, I am and they make reference to in that week uh, article to a tweet from Pepsi saying old burgers go better with Pepsi. Even with when we're not on the menu, we're always in the picture. And uh, with the folding of the of the wrapping, they make up the waves of the of the Pepsi logo, which is super, super clever. And uh, they managed to do here uh, two things. Essentially, the first one is uh, to not mention in the fast food uh, chains uh, companies. But obviously it is super clear which uh, which companies they are referring to. Uh, and also, they are not saying anything or implying anything about their product there. Uh, if, if, if anything, what they are doing is highlighting uh, the value of those products and how good would they pair up with uh, Pepsi. This all comes uh, in the celebration of the National Burger Day in the United States, which is a great, great way of using uh, holiday marketing on social media with a twist which is obviously something super interesting. And um, 
well, now I'm going to give you or leave you with uh, a final thought. Uh, I'm also introducing on the second season a tidbit about some things that are going on in the marketing, mark tech uh, field, uh, as seen from the professionals that uh, we uh, that are working in in that area. In less than a minute, just uh, to keep things shorter and uh, more uh, compact, so that you can enjoy these episodes when you are commuting or you're in, on the on your driving on your car, or whatever. Um, today, what I'm what I want to share with you is uh, the the how the measurement of attribution has been changing and how, how it has been a little bit more challenging after uh, the deprecation of the third-party data and uh, things like the changes on iOS for teams, uh, 14 uh, applied by Apple. So this has made a little bit more difficult to keep track of the conversions through different uh, devices. Uh, essentially, uh, we are being more reliant on the tags that we can add to the traffic that comes to uh, our properties like websites, e-commerce, or mobile apps uh, in terms of UTMs, in, tem- in terms of um, URL uh, parameters that can help you to can help you to later see that on your analytics tool. It could be Adobe, it could be Google Analytics, it could be anything. And the main thing here, the main challenge here is that whenever you take a look at the different platforms, like you could have some very different data on Facebook ads, on Twitter ads, on your analytics tool, uh, it is important when you compare that with the back office uh, point of sale, it could be also different. So this is uh, super important to, uh, to keep in mind, especially as all these platforms adapt to the uh, measurement, me- measurement and tracking of uh, the conversions. Uh, with that being said, it is also important for us to convey how are we going to convey the message to the user, especially on iOS uh, and coming up uh, on, on, on Android, uh, that letting us to track them will not only benefit us, but will also benefit them because essentially what they're allowing us to do is to understand uh, their needs, what they're interested on, so that we can filter the kind of communication that we send out to them so that it could be more accurate and it could be uh, a good fit for what they're looking rather than just annoying them with things that they don't care about. I'm going to uh, make an episode about attribution modeling, which is the paper that I'm working right now for my thesis, my PhD thesis, the first one that I'm I, I'm I'm intend to publish. Uh, I'm, I'm it's going to be a long episode. Uh, I'm going to uh, warn you about that. Um, but essentially, what I'm going to talk about is how it is the how the current state of the attribution model uh, modeling is right now, and how these uh, rely, re, reliant on um, being reliant on first-party data is impacting uh, those attribution models that we are uh, we were used to implement. Uh, and how are we going to deal with uh, the leverage of uh, first-party data instead of third-party data? And how we can overcome the fact that we are going to be more reliant on platforms like Facebook, like Twitter, like Google, which obviously are going to be the one holding up the information of their users uh, on for which we are going to be 
uh, asking to borrow uh, information for any time we try to run some ads. I mean, I mean, this is not anything that we have not done in the past, uh, but essentially what we're dealing with right now is that it's more difficult, especially for cross-device conversion attribution, uh, to keep track on that kind of uh, interactions. And obviously it's going to make it more difficult for you to measure how good your marketing campaign is performing. So, well, guys, this was the first episode of the second season. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, as I said, I'm trying to keep this episode a little bit shorter so that you don't get bored for, uh, for about from my voice. Uh, please uh, keep the conversation going. Uh, mention me or comment on, on this episode on social media. Please uh, hit me with a review if you like the show or if you don't. Also, uh, subscribe uh, if you like it. Please recommend this episode or this show to anyone who might be interested in the content that I share. Thank you so much. See you on the next episode. Lempy out. Thank you.